the title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is This Kind Can Only. This Kind Can Only. Turn to your neighbour as long as you don't have any symptoms and say, This Kind Can Only. This Kind Can Only. Uh, you know, we are stepping into 21 days of prayer and fasting some of you have begun and some of you are going, hey, as long as I start before 11.59 on this day, I can still count it as 21 days of prayer and fasting. And for those people, there is grace and grace abundantly. Uh, but we are going to look at the thought of fasting today uh, from Mark chapter 9, verse 14 to 29, where it's titled, A Boy is Healing. If you've got your, it is healed. If you've got your Bible with you, open up to it. Um, if you don't, it's going to be on the screen as well. And we're going to read this together, Mark chapter 9, verse 14 to 29. It says, When he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed, and running to him, greeted him. He asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I bought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when they saw him, Immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell to the ground, wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often it's thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Why don't we pray right now? Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you. Lord, as we're reading your word today, you have something for us as individuals and for us as a church as we step into this season of prayer and fasting. And so God, right now, Lord, we open our hearts to receive from you. We pray, would you speak to us today in Jesus' name? Everybody said, amen. amen, amen. You know, here we have a young boy who had been carrying an issue that really had been plaguing him probably for many years, and it was consuming every part of his life. And the father, he was hoping for something to take place. He was hoping for healing. He was hoping for breakthrough. But there was part of him that was struggling to believe for it. Here we have the disciples who were believing in faith as well for the same thing to take place. But there was something that they were missing as well. And they couldn't cast the demon out. Then Jesus steps in. He begins to sort out the whole situation. And once he's sorted it out, he casts out the demon, restores the boy to health. Uh, he begins to use this whole uh, account as a teaching moment for his inner circle. You know, they, they ask, why could we not 
cast this thing out? Why could we not do it? And he begins to tell them this kind can only take place through prayer and fasting. This kind of miracle, this kind of deliverance, this kind of breakthrough can only take place through prayer and fasting. And you know, this whole thing, I think it is presented to the disciples, probably even in an over-simplistic way, that perhaps they struggled to fully comprehend what Jesus was saying. But it really lands at the end of this in verse 28, part B, where he says, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. And this really is what I want to rest on today. You see, the premise of the message I want to bring to you today is that we see Jesus teach here to his disciples that there are some things in life that we as people don't have the power to change. You know, there are things in our own strength, in our own might, that we cannot cause effect to change. Our own doing, our own strength, we cannot change it. But it doesn't mean that we're powerless to bring change. Because once we recognize that we can't do it, and we begin to invite the power of God in through prayer and fasting, all of a sudden our power becomes irrelevant because we begin to operate in His power. And this is what takes place when we enter in to prayer and fasting. What we're doing is we're stopping stopping trying to do things in our own strength. We're, we're stopping just going through the motions of our, our, our Christian faith and, and, and coming to church on a Sunday and, and doing our stuff during the week. And all those things are good. But we're taking a time out to intentionally get before the throne room and say, we don't want to do this in our own strength. We don't want to do this in our own mind. God, we are coming to you and we're going to commit this next 21 days uh, to prayer and fasting because we want what is connected to that thing. This kind can only. This kind can only. This kind, that's what we're about to step into. This kind can only take place through prayer and fasting. You know, this key part of this account, in verse 29, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. You know, this is a statement that I've wrestled with for many years. Just trying to, I guess, simply articulate what Jesus is showing and teaching his disciples there. It's something that instinctively I knew was a core truth of our faith, but struggled to articulate what is it in this statement that we could grab a hold of as Christians. And I thought, as I was preparing for this message, how could we best show what's going on here. And I began to think about a story. Now, go with me now. And I just want you to imagine for a few moments that you are a mid-level employee in a large corporation. Now, some of you are a low-level employee and you're like, I'd love to imagine that. Uh, Some of you are going, okay, I'm a bit of a step down. That's all right. But, you know, God is faithful. He'll bring me through it. And so you're a mid-level employee in a large corporation. Nathan, you're photocopying. You're clicking the mouse. You're doing your thing. And now there's another mid-level employee at the same level. And both of you have at different times the need to work with the opposition and speak to the opposition. And maybe you're sending them a cease and desist. Maybe you're you're telling them to back off your turf or, or, or they're taking your trademark or whatever it is that they're doing. But you're talking to the opposition. You're following with me, Nathan. Now, just to help with the imagination, you know, some of the analytical people here are going, well, what is the name of this corporation? Well, Let's just call it Dunder Mifflin, right? (laughs) Some people are like, oh, that's a cool name. Some people are like, I get that. Um, Now, you are probably in this account the, the, uh, the assistant to the regional manager. And there's other people there as well, similar level. And you're working with the opposition. 
and you're talking to them and you're saying, you've got to stop doing this thing. Now, the opposition has two people at a mid-level in this organization coming to them. And they see how these two people operate within this organization. One of these mid-level employees has been given their job description, their job profile. They receive their job profile and they just go about their work, put their head down, do their thing day in, day out, uh, check in, check out, they get their pay, they leave. The other mid-level employee has had their job description in the same way, but they made a decision that they wanted to learn and understand the heart of this organization even better. So each day he would text the CEO of the business. I don't know how he got it, but you know what? He got the number, right? He would text the CEO of this company. He would book meetings on a Wednesday. He would go and sit with the CEO of this company and he would try to understand the heart of what the CEO was trying to achieve. Now, Think about this. If you are someone who's part of the opposition and you have two mid-level employees come to you and you know that one of them never speaks with the CEO, one of them is just doing their thing, but the other one knows the heart, knows the direction, knows what the CEO wants. If this person says that something needs to take place, they have greater authority because they're speaking on behalf of the CEO. Are you following with me? The other one comes and they may say, hey, Yada, 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 you can't do that. But they'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. You don't have any authority here because you don't really know what your boss wants. Are you guys following with me? Now here, Jesus, the CEO, (laughs) the chief, the chief, come on, help me with an acronym here. The chief, no, 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 no. We've got to go more spiritual than that. (laughs) The chief of the ecclesia officer. (laughs) The chief, our king, our Lord, we've spent time with him. We know what he wants. So when we speak to the principalities of darkness, we're not speaking from our own authority. We're not speaking from what we assume. We're speaking from what we know. And that's what takes place when we consecrate ourselves in a season of prayer and fasting. We're walking into the office. We're sitting down. We're getting the will of the Father. We're getting direction. We're getting insight so that when we speak to the enemy, we're not speaking with our own authority like a mid-level employee. No, we are speaking on behalf of the king. And when we spend time in prayer and fasting, that is when demons listen. That is when the enemy listens. And we can speak into situations and command things to change because we've spent time with the king of kings, the Lord of lords. That's why it says here that this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. I tell you what, I get excited about what's about to take place because just imagine an entire church, not just one campus, but multiple campuses. People in this room, people watching online, if we make the decision to spend time in the throne room, the authority that we'll operate in. I get excited about that. God is about to do something in our story. So he said to them that this kind could come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Demons will leave. The enemy will leave because he knows you've just spent time speaking and gaining the will of the Father. This kind can come out through prayer and fasting. You know, on this thought, one expositor's uh, commentary notes that without a doubt, 
what Jesus said was that this kind can go out in and on the ground of nothing except prayer and fasting. And his meaning was that there is no hope of success except through a believing and faith-filled appeal to the almighty power of God. It was the thought of the same kind as that in Matthew 19, 26 and Mark 10, 27, where it says, the impossible for man is possible for God. When we pray and fast, the impossible becomes possible because we're laying down our power and we're taking on the gift from heaven, the authority from heaven, the gift of the Holy Spirit. What's impossible for man is possible for God. Church, I want to tell you, maybe you've been coming up against some things that are impossible. When you spend time consecrating yourself in the throne room and you go after it, what's impossible for man is possible for God. And so we're starting a fast today. And I want to invite you to join with us. And maybe you're here and you just picked up some donuts from Krispy Kremes. You're going, it's really testing you. Maybe you're online right now and you've got that smashed avo there on your plate, staring at you saying, eat me, (laughs) eat me. There's the the lime juice, a bit of the, the, the dukkha on top. Oh, it's the good stuff. Already beginning to struggle. But if you're feeling a challenge to say, I don't want to just operate in my own strength. I want to operate with the authority of Christ. This is the way we as believers achieve it. I want to invite you in this season to enter into a time of prayer and fasting. There are some things that only God can do. This kind can only. There are some things in our own strength we can't affect. This kind can only. There are some situations that will not shift unless we pray and fast. This kind can only, maybe it's a wayward son or daughter who have been away from church for years. Maybe they've never been in church. This kind can only see a change. When we get in the throne room, we pray and we fast and we say, God, I can't change this in my own strength, but I'm going to do what your word shows us. I'm going to pray and fast and stand in the gap to see change in that situation. Maybe it's a diagnosis of sickness and the doctors say there's nothing else we can do. This kind can only. This kind can only. When we get in the throne room, we pray and fast, God will do something. You know, there is power in personal consecration through prayer and fasting. But you know, there is also power through corporate prayer and fasting. You know, the Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, two could put 10,000 to flight. Just imagine what would take place if us as the body of Christ, us as the big C church, make a decision to consecrate ourselves and go after some things over these next 21 days and say, God, we don't want to do this in our own strength. We want to see a harvest. We want to see breakthrough. We want to see revival. We want to see your presence come down here on it. Just imagine what it would look like. You know, as I was preparing for this, I felt God begin to stir in my heart uh, to show you something that's already taken place through prayer and fasting. You know, In 1916, the early Pentecostal church in Australia, God was beginning to stir some things. You know, one of the most prominent church leaders at the time was a man named Charles Greenwood, C.L. Greenwood. 
And he began to hold a prayer meeting in his house in sunshine. They were praying. They were fasting. They were believing for God to do something. And then God begins to breathe on it. In 1925, they've established a church. They decide to do a two-week crusade. They bring in an evangelist uh, by the name uh, of A.C. Valdez. And revival breaks out during these two weeks. And the church in sunshine that had been birthed out of prayer and fasting all of a sudden moves uh, to the Richmond Theater. Eventually, they change their name to Richmond Temple. And God is doing something in this church. From that church, there's a man in that building who feels God begin to speak to him. He steps out and he plants a church called Eastside Church. He's a man we all know and love named Pastor Chris Sutton. A great man of God. God did something there. Then they step out. They plant a church called Heathmont AOG, which eventually changes its name to Marunda City Church. I got saved and baptized in that church. And then we see Dingley AOG, now Echo Church, planted out of Richmond Temple. We see Northside AOG, which is now called Encompass Church in Bandura. And the senior pastor of that church is serving on the state executive and holding up the arms of Pastor Matt and Franker as they lead our movement. Uh, then from there, we see another church planted called Oakley AOG. Man, Oakley, the place of the world's best kebabs. I love it. From Oakley, someone steps out of Oakley and they plant a church called Springvale AOG. And then from Springvale, they plant a church uh, called Bayside. They plant a church called Monash, which eventually joins with us. One can put a thousand to fly. Two can put 10,000 to fly. We're renovating that building at the moment called Monash. Another church is planted in Rosebud. And then another church from Springvale is planted in Frankston. Frank, who knows God needs to move in Frankston, right? He needed to do it then. He needs to do it now. <laughs> then from Frankston, they plant a church in Cranbourne called Freedom. They plant a church uh, in Hastings. They plant a church in Hampton Park, which is now called Aspire Church, which then goes on to plant a church in Clyden. And God's doing amazing things. It all started in this prayer meeting in 1916. And then somewhere in the mix, God speaks to someone, and I'm so glad that he did. And they decide to step out and plant a church called Dandenong Assemblies of God. And it started small, but then it grew and it moved into the town hall. It was motley and wild and Pastor Tim Hall was doing who knows what. But people were getting saved left, right and center. And the church grew to 800. And then, then we bring in Pastor Allen and we see seeing thousands come in. Pastor Matt and Pastor Frank are coming. This thing continues to grow. And then we're seeing thousands come in week in, week out, multiple campuses. This building is built. We see other uh, permanent locations formed. And this is just the start of what God wants to do. But I say this because it started in 1916 in a prayer meeting in someone's house in sunshine. And then many prayer meetings therein after, weekly, monthly, where people would ask and cry out to God for a move because they knew they couldn't do it in their own strength. And church, I want to say this. If God did that from a prayer meeting in, 26, uh, in 1916, imagine what he would do if we would consecrate ourselves now. And we would say, God, we don't know what it will look like, but we are crying out right now for a powerful move. We are crying out right now for Pentecost here in our church. We are hungry. We are desperate. We want to tell a story that would say this thing could only have happened. This kind of thing can only happen through prayer and fasting. 
There are some things that can only be birthed through prayer and fasting. There are some strongholds that can only be broken through prayer and fasting. There are some eventualities that will never take place unless we decide to get on our knees and pray and fast and hunger after God. This kind can only, are you with me, church? This kind can only, this kind of thing can only take place when we decide to pray and fast. This kind of transformation, this kind of deliverance can only take place through prayer and fasting. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And so he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. What's impossible for man is possible for God. Church, I don't want to get to five or ten years from now and go, we've done some cool stuff, but we worked hard at it and it took place. No, I want to look back and go, the things that we're stepping in in ten years from now could only have happened because we prayed and fast. Not through our own strength, but through the mighty power of His Spirit. That the wind of the Spirit would blow through this church because He would respond to the hunger of us. He would respond to the hunger of His people. That we would see radical things take place in our families. That we would see our sons and daughters, our extended family, having their lives radically transformed, growing to be pillars of faith because we decided to pray and fast. So let's talk about the practicals of this for a moment. How do we pray and fast? Right, how do we do this? Um, you know, there are a couple of types of fast, uh, fasts outlined to us in the Bible. There's the full fast, which is no food, only water. Um, now, most of the time, uh, that would be a couple of days. Uh, we see Jesus do it for 40 days. Uh, the Holy Spirit supernaturally sustains him. Um, if you're feeling like this crazy uh, leading to do a full fast, talk to a doctor. Uh, if you're going to sue someone, please send emails to nmcmillan at faithcc. <laughs> uh, be wise about it. And um, I would say that uh, we need to do things that we can actually achieve. Um, and so, but in saying that, people have done it. Um, there's also partial fasts. It's a great example shown uh, to us of a partial fast in the fast in the <laughs> a partial fart. <laughs> Once a youth pastor, always a youth pastor. Um, a partial fast. In uh, in Daniel uh, chapter ten, where it's just fruit and veg, uh, and this is a great one that you could do that will help you get through the twenty one days. Succeed, consecrate yourself, and lean into the things of God, but achieve it. Um, you know what you won't see outworked uh, or, or shown in the Bible is fasts like Netflix uh, or fasts like just a sugar fast or a social media fast. Um, but don't be a fast snob, right? I see you right there judging people doing fasts of social media. Don't be a fast snob because let's talk. Let's talk about the ethos of a fast for a second. What is the purpose of a fast? It's to spend time intentionally leaning into the Father so that you can get His will and authority. So if we're laying down things that would take up our time so that we could create more space to spend time in His presence, then that is a great success. What I would say is this. If you've only ever done a social media fast, why don't you step it up this year and do something more? You're saying, God, I, I want to go after this thing in, in a greater level. It Maybe you've never fasted. Start with something you can achieve. But the purpose of this is for us to shut out these things that would distract us or take up our time so we could lean in to the things of God. Now, in saying that, 
If you're just fasting and you're not praying, you're also missing the purpose of this. If we get so caught up in what we can't do that we forget about what we can do, we're only stepping into the partial breakthrough we're believing for. So I would say this, if you're going to lay down something, also make the decision and get the conviction to take up something as well. And remember, the law is not the focus here. You know, like maybe, I remember one time I had a mate of mine doing a uh, 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 Daniel fast and I saw him walking around smashing zooper dupers. And I'm like, bro... Uh, I'm a bit of a fast snob, but what are you doing, man? Aren't you on Daniel? Yeah, there's fruit in this. I was like, oh, cool. Hey, as long as. <laughs> um, and don't worry about getting hung up on, on those things. But what I will also say is this don't let grace be an excuse to be flippant about your fast. You see, a fast is a sacred and holy thing. And when we're making a decision to say, God, over these next 21 days, I'm committing myself to fast and pray to get greater authority. That is a, it's a big commitment. And so let's do something that we can achieve with the acknowledgement that it is a sacred and holy thing. And if you, if you fall off the bandwagon, get back on. But let's consecrate ourselves over the next, this next time. So, you know, there are three areas we see modeled. Uh, in prayer and fasting in the Bible, among many others. But here are three things that I think that can encourage you in, in what we're praying and fasting for. The first one is that we can fast before we step into a new thing. Jesus fasted in the desert for 40 days before entering into his public ministry. We can fast before we step into a new thing. Paul fasted for three days immediately after his conversion. And then we see what takes place in this man's life, becomes the Apostle Paul. Uh, the, the, the epistles are written by this guy. The early church is advanced. He started with a three-day fast. You know, in this next 21 days, if you're believing for, to step into something at a greater level in your life, a great thing to do is fast before you step into it. Ask God for the authority. Ask God for the insight. Ask God for the wisdom. Ask God to speak to you. Ask God to prepare your heart for what you're about to step into over these next 21 days. The second thing, you guys getting something out of this today? The second thing is that we can fast for other people. We could fast for other people. Maybe you're watching at home. You could fast for the person sitting next to you or your neighbor or the person across the road. We could fast for other people. Darius fasted for the safety of Daniel in Daniel 6. Esther fasted for the safety of the Jews in Esther 4. What we see outlined in both of those stories is that we can stand in the gap for other people through our prayer and fasting. If there's someone in your world who needs breakthrough, maybe they're not at a place where they would fast and pray themselves. Or maybe they're not in a place where they physically can fast. Why don't you say, you know what? I am going to fast and pray in this season. Maybe you're sitting here today and, and you are just absolutely killing it at life. Y your family is awesome. Your marriage is great. Work is going good. You're doing fantastic financially. You're going, you know, very often, I don't really feel the need to respond to an altar call because, you know, my life is good. Well, then I would submit to you if you are that person Begin to formulate a list of people in your world that you are going to fast and pray for over these next 21 days and stand in the gap for them that God would do something in their life like He's done in your life. The third one is that we can fast to hear from God. I want to invite the band up. Um, we can fast to hear from God. Moses fasted before he received the commandments from God in Deuteronomy 9. He fasted before he heard the word of God. Daniel fasted so that he could receive understanding uh, of a vision from God. We could fast to hear the voice of God. If you're here today or if you're watching online and you need clarity around something, you need to hear the voice of God. You need direction. Fast and pray 
that God would speak to you in this season. Fast and pray for Him to move in your life and give you clarity. Maybe you're wanting to uh, operate in the gift of, of prophetic insight and prophetic words. Maybe uh, you're wanting God to speak to you about some course corrections in your life or you're tossing up a few things and you just can't work out what the right decision is. Fast and pray in this season that God would speak to you. You know, uh, a number of years ago, I did some ministry um, in Jakarta uh, with a church over there. And uh, the pastor there, uh, God is just moving in their church and in both him and his wife's life in a powerful way. And uh, he personally oversees 200 churches, uh, 2IC in a movement of about 1,000 churches. And uh, I went to the church where he is at on Sundays. And uh, man, God's doing amazing things. Just such a, a hungry uh, sense uh, for his presence in there. And they'd start the service. And, you know, the first 30 minutes before the service start, it'd be full with just people speaking in tongues and inviting the presence in. And, and God was doing something. And there was a businessman in their church who was doing a building development with, uh, I think, 20 stories. Felt God tell him to tithe on the physical building. And so he gave the church two levels of this building for them to have a permanent home. Isn't that cool, right? Um, and um, I remember having dinner with this guy and asking him, like, Pastor, you're seeing God do some amazing stuff, even more than just property, but, like, people are getting saved. Churches are being planted. You could sense the presence of God in such a tangible way in their building. Give me some of the, the insights that you've learned along the way. And he begins to, to tell me about the ethos around sending prophets out. And they're saying, you know what, if we're feeling God tell us to to plant another church, the first thing we'll do is send a prophet out to prophesy over that soil, begin to prepare the soil for the work God's about to do and begins to share about another thing. He says, you know, one of the other things that my wife and I do is that every Thursday we commit to fasting for the anointing of God. Without, without fail, we never miss it. We fast every Thursday for the anointing of God. And they would get up early and they would pray and they would sacrifice things in their life in order to get something greater, the anointing of God. You see, there was a hunger in this man and woman's life to not do it in their own strength, but to operate in the authority of the King of Kings. And so they would lay down the busyness of their own life. They would lay down one need to go after a greater need, the anointing. They would fast and pray on Thursdays for the anointing of God to be in their life and in their church. And I, I genuinely believe that this man and woman understood this principle in a deep, profound way. There are some things that can only take place through prayer and fasting. They understood this and they embodied it in their life. And because they chose to grab a hold of it, they walked in the fruit of it. And he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. You know, this is a time of prayer and fasting. It's not just fasting. It's prayer. What are we going to ask God for in prayer? What are we going to praise God for in advance? What are we going to do in that time of prayer? We're just saying, God, I need you. I'm desperate for you. That we would get on our knees in our secret place. We would crank up worship in the car and start speaking in tongues on the way to work and people looking at us on the Monash going, what, <laughs> what are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know, why do we fast and why is it important? Well, fasting demonstrates the depth 
of your desire when praying for something. That's the difference with just prayer. When you add fasting, it demonstrates the depth of your desire when praying for something. It shows that you are serious enough about your prayer request to pay a personal price. God honours deep desire and praying in faith. Church, I want to ask you this morning, what will you pay a personal price for in your own life? And I want to ask you, what would we as a group of believers, as a fellowship of saints, what would we pay a personal price for in our prayer and fasting? This kind can only. This kind can only. Church, I don't want to just do things that we could do in our own strength. I want to see the manifest presence of God. Here are some corporate things that we as a church can be fasting for. I want you to stand to your feet right now as we stay in this atmosphere. We as a church will fast in order to see God move in a mighty way. We as a church will fast to see God move in a mighty way. We as a church will fast for spiritual authority for every Christian here and watching today. People being filled with the Spirit and operating in the gifts that are promised to us in His Word. We will fast for more salvations than we've ever seen before. We will fast for recommitments and first generation decisions. We will fast for changed lives. We will fast for breakthrough. We will fast for an outpouring. We will fast for God's supernatural hand to be on our church in a Way. We will fast for our Casey and Waverly building projects. Who knows, there's a number of uh, hurdles we've got to jump through. We will fast that God will move in those things. We will fast for a tangible touch of the presence of God. And church, we will fast for personal breakthrough, provision and healing in the life of every believer. Can I encourage you? On these next 21 days, fast for things in your own life. Fast for direction in your work or your studies. A fast for personal breakthrough of provision. Perhaps you're believing for a life partner. Fast and pray for it. Perhaps you're believing to buy or sell a house or start a family. Fast and pray for it. Uh, perhaps you're believing for those in your family to come to know God. Fast and pray for it. Perhaps you need a healthier marriage. Get on your knees before God and begin to cry out to God to help you, to give you the tools, to humble you, to speak to you, to, to work through you. Let's fast and pray in this season. Let's fast and pray for a touch of God that we have not seen yet. Are you guys with me in that? You know, this message today, I sought to teach on some things about prayer and fasting. You know, if you look up synonyms of fasting, you may find words like abstaining or restraining from something. But prayer and fasting is so much more than that. It's consecration. It is consecration. And I see modeled to us in the Word that a consecrated man or woman is powerful. They have direct access to the throne room. God moves through them in a mighty, powerful way with authority. And that's what's about to take place.